This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hey guys, this is Liv. And Dave. And And you're you're listening listening to Conversations. Conversations. Wait, what did you say? Conversations. It's Conversations. That's what I said. Conversation. Wait, why are you saying it like that? I'm not saying it like anything. I'm saying conversation. What are you saying? Conversations. We're saying the same thing. Say conver. Conver. Now say stations. Stations. Now say conversations. Conversations. Okay, let's try this one more time. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, this is Liv. And Dave. And we're Pizza and Parsecs. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to conversations. conversations. I think you're saying it wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm saying the same thing you're saying. I am 99% sure you're wrong. I'm 99% sure we're saying the same thing. And you guys are listening to conversations. It's a translation to a Star Wars nation. It's a celebration. Hello, and welcome to Conversations. I'm Charles. And I'm Pat, and this is episode 72. The Force surrounds us, guides us. And sets the fate of us all in motion. But perhaps it can also take a different path. A path that can only be seen on the world of the wills. Lame. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, well, this is, uh, this is an interesting one. Yes, this is a very different this, one, too. Yes, yes. This spawned for me out of a question that I had for you that I haven't asked you yet. Um, and so that question kind of lingered in my podcast notes um, for many, many, maybe a year. That long? And I just, it was something that I wanted to bring up, but didn't um, fit anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then, um, then the, marvel what if series yeah yeah on disney plus and it's kind of in that same vein so um it it makes sense i've I've heard a lot of people talk about the idea of a star wars what if series yeah Um, but the question that, that led to this series um, basically was, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> well, I'm not going to answer it then. Fine. Um, Fine. You no, take your cool uh, question and shove it. So, so there is a question. And once we get to the section of this in which it pertains, um, then I will I will bring it up. But this is our sort of independent what if version of conversation. So the idea is to take, you know, a, a what if scenario and then individually see where those dominoes fall and kind of explore what that means with a certain event changing. And then on your end also exploring how that changes things. 
to get two kind of independent lines of thought and change processes. And then we discuss it. First of all, it's a cool idea. And like you said, you know, we've heard lots of fellow podcasters talk about Star Wars, what ifs, and, you know, just sort of tossing out ideas and stuff. But I think what was really the kicker for me was when you got me to watch that Marvel special uh, about the what if series itself. And like you pointed out, it was beyond the what if the core question, it's then well, what then what happens? That's where the splintering happens, right? And that's where all the somewhat crazy ideas can come into it. Uh, when I went through them, I sort of looked at what we know as canon, but just like stayed within that sort of realm. But I didn't find myself locked into what that necessarily was or what the story has been told yet, but tried to fit it in within somewhat context, but see where it went as well. That's kind of the idea of the original Marvel comic run was to tell these stories that were not part of the stories. Mm. And interestingly enough, one of the things that the Marvel creative team behind the MCU, Captain America was brought about in, in 1941 in the time of uh, World War II as to kind of rally the troops as it were and to kind of increase patriotism and get people psyched for the troops and all. So he continued through comics and media all the way up till today. One of the scenarios that they came up with was, what if he was frozen and thought out today? He wasn't present through the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. They were thinking that way back in 2007, 2008, when they were starting to come up with their ideas for the films. And that's that's what they ended up using in the Captain America film. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, I, and I love the What If series as well. And one of my treasured comics is uh, What If Craven Killed Spider-Man. I wasn't too familiar with the entire run, but it was just like this really cool concept. Yes. With what we know about Star Wars and what we know about the characters and the universe. And with that being all we think and talk about, uh, it makes sense to us. Yeah, and it's a fun little <laughs> deviation too. Right, right, and and of course I get to finally ask you a question that that has been in my notes for, like I said, probably a year. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to it. We have two what if scenarios tonight. We do. And wait, we do. Why well, I, I prepared for two? <laughs> oh, overachiever! You, you prepared for twelve. What? <laughs> well, well. <laughs> um the the original one that you know, like I said, kind of evolved out of the question that I had had was what if Yoda went to confront Anakin and Obi-Wan stayed on Coruscant to confront Palpatine? Wow. Yeah. That's a heavy one. It's major because a lot of stuff that had been set up through that whole timeline from Palpatine manipulating fetus Anakin's midichlorians and all um, is kind of thrown away at that point. I think that Obi-Wan confronting Palpatine doesn't bode well for Obi-Wan. I completely agree. Um, I think mm -hmm. Obi-Wan dies. Mm -hmm. He puts up a fight, but I, I I think that he dies. I think that he dies and it's somewhat sacrificial 
in the sense that he holds Palpatine's attention enough to distract Palpatine from his strong connection to his new apprentice that then allows Yoda to affect Anakin in a greater way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I see Yoda is now headed to Mustafar, okay. of course. And Padme, of course, does what she did. She's on the ship and, and Yoda kind of gets on the ship as well. He, he would defeat Anakin. Now, if would he be able to defeat him so quickly that he could disarm him? Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, so would he be able to best Anakin without the extensive injuries that Anakin faced at the hands of Obi-Wan or his own pride? And uh, beyond that, would that lead to him not being burned and scarred by the lava and the Jedi? Mm. Okay. Furthermore, could Yoda have shown Anakin an example of mercy to bring him around to the light? I agree with that. But if not, he would still choke Padme and Yoda would have had to destroy him. Okay. If it gets to the point where he's that far gone, Yoda's got to beat him. Okay. So Yoda does. Okay. Now. You're this saying is, that Yoda dies in this conflict? No, no, no. Okay. Yoda, Yoda defeats him. Okay, gotcha. Okay. The original question that led to this was, what happens to the Empire if Anakin dies? Initially, I'm thinking, you fast forward to, you know, Return of the Jedi, when the Empire is the be-all and end-all in the galaxy, and there's this rebellion and everything, and the Emperor's right-hand man gets turned back to the light by his own son now if it's not anakin then that's not his son so that doesn't work if the emperor finds another apprentice and maybe not even as powerful in the force but doesn't have those familial ties does that work out better for the empire that was my original question very cool because then you're that's no longer the question okay (laughs) that was the original (laughs) question that you had (laughs) Right. Okay, well, right. I got a bunch of questions for you, but continue going until you're, uh-huh. you're set up. So, if Yoda has to destroy him, then the t- Padme still dies because he still choked her out. Still need to be split up because Palpatine knew of Padme and Anakin and that they were having a kid. A kid. Okay. So, with Anakin dead, the Emperor would need another apprentice. One with the same qualities as Anakin Skywalker, one hidden from his reach, Luke Skywalker. He finds him as an infant and takes him and trains him from infancy and twists him to think the dark side was the right side. Then he grows to be Palpatine's apprentice, forcing his equal, Leia, to square off against him after she was exile with Yoda learning the ways of the Force from him from a very young age to grow strong and powerful in the Force and exhibit the strength of her lineage. And some would argue the stronger connection to the Force out of the two. And this would lead to a showdown like in Return of the Jedi, but between Luke and Leia. With the same outcome, Leia draws Luke back to the light through that familial Oh, that's cool. That's cool. (laughs) 
Um, I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. I like that. I like that a lot. In your scenario. Um, yeah. One of the key moments, and the way I interpreted the moment at least, okay, when after they see the security footage and it's decided that they split up, Obi-Wan goes to find Anakin and he's, well, how am I supposed to find him? You know, I don't know where he is. Use the force, trust your instincts, you'll know where to go. So he goes to Padme. Mm-hmm. Now he's sitting there with her. He clearly knows that she's pregnant, probably has an inkling that it's Anakin. Okay. After seeing the final season of Clone Wars, he knows. Right. So he walks away almost as, as having given up after she says, I don't know where he is. And she knows exactly where he is. Mm-hmm. And then he turns and says, he's the father, isn't he? And when he says that, there's a pain on his face. And the way I interpreted that is, is that A, I am going down this road with you. A, to A, let you know that I know this. But also that this is the ultimate push you over the edge that I know now that you're going to go run to Anakin. And I need you to run to Anakin because I have no idea where he is. And I'm going to abscond myself on the ship. So I think he mm-hmm. used that um, as a ploy to get her to run to Anakin. So with that being said, and I don't think Yoda, at least canon wise, um, knew that they were together. I mean, obviously, he could probably tell that, uh, you know, Padme was pregnant. However, that who who knows that would have been. So how do you think Yoda would have gotten on her ship? Like, how do you see that playing out in that scenario? Like, why would she have gone to Mustafar apart from the fact that she just wanted to go and see him? Right. Well, uh, you know, uh, obviously, the the stowaway compartment was much smaller than a <laughs> adult human male. Clearly. Glove box. Stowaway <laughs> <laughs> <open> compartment. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things I thought of with that was that um, Yoda convinced her that it it would be for the best to yeah. go and find Anakin as opposed to some of the conflict that Padme was familiar with that Anakin felt, you know. And so Yoda's approach would probably be like, look, see him. We must save him. We will. That kind of thing, you know, because she right. you knows what's going on. It's in a bad spot. And on the way there, she reveals to him that that Anakin's the father of the child. Um, okay. that's why she would bring him a, and then also understand the gravity of the relationship by the time he gets there. And that's, that sort of dynamic then is known the moment he walks off the ship again, you know, and like, and like you said, yeah. the choking would happen. And instead of Obi-Wan standing at the top of the ramp, it would be Yoda standing there and the, the yeah. scenes would play. And Anakin would still feel betrayed. Yes. And you brought him here and you traitor and a whole bit that, that, that completely, completely matches in that sense, but with a very different yeah. approach. Um, well, and that's, you know, with with Yoda, you you at this point in the films, at least things are certainly rocky between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Mm-hmm. He's been under Obi-Wan's thumb in his mind for far too long. And he's, he's been given way too short a leash. And it's like, you know. He's jealous and he doesn't want me to be better than him, which is a very Sith way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Yoda didn't really have that sort of relationship with him that he was, you know, it's like that, that fun uncle yeah. that comes in, you have a lot of fun with and then he leaves, but like your parents still have to discipline you. Yeah. Like, that's Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan still had to teach him lessons and keep him on the right track. 
was like that guy he saw in the council chambers and stuff. You know, well, <laughs> I mean, not, not, you know, as a master, but anyway. Um, so you kind of take away that I'm that sort of authoritarian friction of late of the last year or so of the Clone Wars that that you've really started to despise, you know? Yeah. And, and really um, kind of blame a lot of what's not going right for you on. And you put that all on Obi-Wan, not on Yoda. So Yoda would, would still be able to have a chance of that sort of redemption from mm-hmm. the outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also Yoda then does take some of that father figure side of it where um, he's not someone he's trying to impress Anakin, I mean, uh, with mm-hmm. Obi-Wan and having that sort of rivalry. There's a clear distinction between that level. And, you know, despite, well, I mean, not despite, I guess, in concert with the quote unquote dissing of Anakin not becoming rank of master. Um, sure, he's pissed, but he also understands his hierarchy in that relationship. So um, for that, from that aspect, and that's one of the core pieces of what my take on the, you know, Yoda going after Anakin, that's where, um, that's where that relationship comes into play for what I thought of and how I saw the whole thing play out. Okay. All right. So I already got like a little bit into what I thought of how Yoda would get to Mustafar, right? With Padme. Okay. And I completely agree with you that unfortunately Obi-Wan would die in a duel with Palpatine, put up a great fight. And like I said, ultimately um, force Palpatine to focus on him while Yoda is off on Mustafar and not having uh, and not being uh, interrupted with. And once Palpatine did defeat Obi-Wan, he would continue on his path of, finding like oh my gosh anakin's yeah anakin's in in trouble you know and trying to get him there so fly over to mustafar um a lot of the battle would go on a lot of the dialogue of you know the back and forth of the dark and the lights and the chosen one all that obviously with the yoda spin on it but i do believe that the relationship that yoda has with anakin and what anakin sees that as he wouldn't be cast out on fire he would actually be somewhat saved by Yoda, seeing the error of his ways and going back to Coruscant. But Anakin wants that power. So he is hiding his lust for the dark side from Yoda and is able to mask it to the degree that he thinks that we're going to be able to rehabilitate him. Now, this is very much like Dark Disciple. Dark Disciple. Okay. Yeah. And how powerful that um, that he was. Thank you. Quinlan Voss, how powerful he was and he was able to take down Dooku. I put Anakin and Quinlan Voss in a very similar level. So they bring Padme back with Yoda. They go back to Coruscant. Yoda and Anakin confront Palpatine. They defeat Palpatine. And at this point, Padme's gone and she's given birth. The Jedi Order is not restored. They've all been decimated. And this is where it takes a tangent. So as soon as... Yoda and Anakin defeat Yoda. Anakin immediately turns on Yoda and kills him. Uh, yeah. So yikes. he defeats Yoda and now he immediately assumes the reign of Sith Emperor Lord. Vader. Yes. Emperor Vader. He takes over. And the reason why I think that would happen is because if 
Palpatine was the planner that he was, Masamita and his highest level executive may have known that Anakin was going to be his second in command. Mm -hmm. And he would have spun that story that I came back, him and Yoda were battling. I took out Yoda. I'm assuming power. Not necessarily of the Republic, but at this point, it's already an empire. So it doesn't really matter. So in hiding, we still have Bail, Organa, mm-hmm. taking the twins away, taking them both because there is no Obi-Wan to take them to Tatooine. So or the Yoda. Kid, or Yoda. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're running out of Jedi here. Or anyone. <laughs> Luke and Leia. He doesn't know that he's looking a for smart one. Smart move. Yes. Well, he knows that there's one again, and that's similar with you, what you have as well. He knows he's he's got a child, not two, and he, you know, obsesses about finding this young Luke Skywalker. Eventually, does find him, and the confrontation still happens, except with the uh, him as Emperor and Lord, you know, Sith Lord Supreme, and he would take on an apprentice at that point as well, uh, whether it would be uh-huh. Maul. Or a, like you were talking about before, a sort of lesser uh, force user. He would be his apprentice, except in this scenario, all the way forward to Return of the Jedi, he would still be battling his son, but the son would ultimately be killing his father. Mm. Okay. But would he? If you've got Emperor Vader and his apprentice. Yes. Versus Luke. Luke. In my scenario, yes, he would be killing his father. He was not redeemable at that point. Ah. Well, in the sequel trilogy, of course, Emperor came back and he's the ultimate uh, sort of power of everything. That wouldn't happen. But um, that he hid his lust for the dark side so well in in order to be able to kill Yoda after taking out the Emperor. Right. Right, He's just too far gone. He was not savable from uh, from the dark side. Ah. So he would he would not have his redemption. He's got to go. Yeah. Ah, Okay. Oof. Yikes. Rough. <laughs> Yours went all like, what if Doctor Strange episode? Yes. <laughs> yeah, or the zombie one, depending which one. Like. <laughs> that seems to track. Hmm. <laughs> Either way, she still died. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I really like your scenario because it does pull in the twins in there and you have a really cool confrontation. And ultimately, he is saved, which is kind of fun, you know? Oh, man. Yeah. I don't, a, anymore. I don't like that question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have um, one more. We, before we get to that, we're going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Oh, I could use a Belusion Mangue's liquor. Yeah, I'm thinking of whiskey. Oh, good call. Hmm. Lots to choose from. Do you want a selection from the top shelf? Definitely. The chosen one whiskey, please. Why that one? Well, there was this battle. It's over, Anakin. I have the higher ambient temperature. You underestimate my proofing. You were the chosen one. It was said you'd destroy bad whiskeys, not join them. I'll barrel you. 
You were my distillery, Anakin. Wow. Okay. I guess instead of top shelf, it should be called the high ground. Yeah. No. Like any good scotch, it gets darker as it ages. Chosen one whiskey. All the body, none of the legs. All right, and we are back. Thank you very much for uh, our sponsor, Chosen One Whiskey. Uh, in fact, I'm enjoying. I'm not back yet. I'm just finishing oh, that line. Okay. Oh. Oh, you know what? Actually, me too. Mm-hmm. That's some higher ambient temperature, right? <laughs> Oh, Whew. I have the high shelf. Okay, so. Oh, man. Yep. Question number two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now there are two of them. What if number two? Okay. We are going to go to the Clone Wars. Oh, I like the Clone Wars. Yes. They introduced us to some very, very interesting characters. Ah, um, yeah. Yeah. well, of course they did. Exactly. Hondo Naka. There's your what if. What if he didn't exist? Good night, everybody. <laughs> Story over. <laughs> it's impossible to even need, think of that. I'm gonna need some more whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> um, what we're talking about is the Guerrero uh, brother and sister, Saw and Stila. Ah, uh, yes. And at the end of that very uh, the fantastic arc, the Andron arc uh, in the Clone uh, Wars yes. in season five, uh, Stila unfortunately dies somewhat mm. at the hands of by accident Saw himself, and. She dies while Ahsoka's trying to save her. And it's very tragic. And it's very touching, too, when she does die and their reaction to it. And they understand the impact. Because at that point, Saw and Stila were somewhat competitive, um, taking a few jabs at each other here and there at the start of the arc. But by the mm-hmm. end of that arc, he had 100% faith and belief in her as a leader. And yeah. not only did he have that, the rebels, as they would call themselves on, on Duran, would believe that. And the Jedi, I mean, Obi-Wan yeah. himself calling her a born leader. Yeah. So for her loss, I really believe that the saw that we came to know later on in the Clone Wars and several other episodes and some confrontations with the Rebel Alliance as it was building and in Rogue One um, was greatly affected by her death. The guilt that he felt. Oh, yeah, absolutely was. So my what if Stila does not die? Yeah. How do you see this playing out? Ah, well, okay. So Stila was definitely way more level-headed than Saul. And she really, again, like you said, at the beginning, they were very competitive. But she had always kind of been sort of, righteously driven mm-hmm. but and it saw started to see her as a moral compass uh not that she changed at all but he changed okay and um and, you know the Andoran rebels are already painted as terrorists and in her absence saw owned it and becomes what the public perceives him to be and he kind of grows into that role. So with her not being dead, 
Um, the fact that she's diffused his anger numerous times throughout the Clone Wars, her survival is twofold. Okay. Firstly, she's around through Saul's decision making to ensure he doesn't fly off the rails and throw <laughs> into a mental mess that we see in Rogue One. Okay. And she goes along with his ideas, but actually plans for them to allow the best outcome with the safest, most effective results. Okay. Well, that's a good thing. Okay. So that's, she's, she's, uh, you know, influencing him in that way to, to kind of keep him from making rash decisions that ultimately put him in danger. Okay. So with that being said, she also has the charisma as a leader to gain the support of the people of Onderon and kind of amass the rebels uh, more quickly than Saul because slide by the seat of your pants decisions he made, uh, you know, frightened a lot of the people of Onderon. Okay. So, um, you know, a lot of people were turned off to his cause because they thought he was this crazy radical. So with Stila there to kind of bring diplomacy <laughs> to their organization, I think you get more rebels to join the cause you get more sympathy from the inhabitants of the planet right secondly he never suffers the anguish from her loss okay that calloused him to reason and empathy okay so he's less of a radical at this point now that leads to a bit of a softer saw um, which then leads to a less emboldened Jin Urso as she grows up with the influences of both Saw and Stila. <laughs> so if she's not forged through that fire, is Jin then less equipped or prepared to obtain and transmit the data to the rebels that leads to the destruction of the first Death Star? No, I don't think so. In which case, the Death Star doesn't get destroyed, and the Rebels do. <laughs> Boom! Literally. <laughs> so, so that's how that one pans out. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't say it was pretty. <laughs> okay. Wow. I yeah. did not see that one coming. Holy crap. This one's your fault because you asked it. <laughs> okay. Well, Yoda's dead in the other one. Not that Bernie wouldn't mind that, but you're to blame for the first one. But the good guys still win. Yeah. Okay. I That's fine. Had 860 good years. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say good, but. sixty. <laughs> Years. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. No, I can see that too. You know, like especially with the personality traits as they could blossom in that. And not just for Saw, perhaps also for Stila and like you said, Jin. They weren't facing as much adversity, therefore softer, therefore just didn't have that uh sense of urgency to make those things happen. Yeah. Or that scrappiness, that do or yeah. die sort of mentality. Yeah. Well, I went a different direction. <laughs> okay, good. good. <laughs> okay, she doesn't die on that cliff. Um, the CIS uh, obviously leave the planet of Andron because as the uh, the general uh, assassin droid, not assassin droid, but... Um, okay. Tactical droid. Tactical droid, thank you, yeah. 
um, the uh, the tactician that he is still sees the playing field equal that it's going to take too much effort. CIS leaves. Steela mm-hmm. wins the the battle, and similar to what you're talking about, she then enlists more followers on Andorai. Not only that, does that happen as the burgeoning rebel alliance is forming, Steela and her ragstag group of rebels is gaining traction. Okay. So now their cell is the epitome of the rebel alliance. They're like the poster cell of terrorists. Ex- exactly. <laughs> I, I'm uh, a rebel. Rebels, I'm, rebels, yes. Yeah. Now, how that would fit into the Emperor's perspective, they're low-key enough that they got rid of the CIS and just leave Onderon well enough alone sort of thing. I think he's got enough irons in the fire. Right. He doesn't worry about Onderon. No right. Onderon. Yeah, exactly. So, at the same time as Mon Mothma and Yavin 4 Rebel Cell is growing, and our mm-hmm. beloved Ghost Crew in Rebels, Stila, her level-headedness leadership, her brother with the military excellence and somewhat questionable ideals for what is considered proper warfare, and Lux. We can't forget about Lux. Ah, yeah. His diplomacy, that triad in the force, or in this case for the rebels, they become the leaders of the rebel alliance on Yavin 4. And they play well because Stila and Lux will do that. Saul will not mm-hmm. necessarily. They mm-hmm. recruit the ghost crew. And immediately Stila understands how amazing Hera is. So Hera is now like second in command and controls the entire air force. Mm. They do hook up, of course, with Jin. But who opens that hatch? Not Saw. Stila takes Jin, raises her. And she's in a safer place, yes, but within the military structure of Yavin 4 and the Rebel Alliance. They attack Scarif, they get the plans, and that Death Star is taken down by the power of Stila and Saw and the rest of the Rebels. Mm, okay, okay. Yeah. Instead of being a ragtag bunch on a beach, the entire mass Rebel fleet... Well, I still think that they have that uh, piecemeal approach to it, and they still suffer their losses. But it's not like six people. Right, exactly. And (laughs) in this scenario, I fully believe that, you know, okay, maybe Cassian dies or maybe Jin dies, but it's not like the entire invading force of Scarif, you know, as opposed to when the Rebel Alliance finally decides to join the fight, or at least the splinter cell that breaks off of it. Um, right. You know, that's a much more coordinated effort and therefore goes more smoothly. And there are more survivors from that battle on Scarif. And those plans are essentially captured by One Stila. of those plans. Yeah. Tear the ship apart. So, yes. <laughs> because she lived, she became Mon Mothma. Wow. Okay. A little bit more positive than yours. <laughs> Yes. Yes. It's supremely more positive. <laughs> but I've always loved Saw. I mean, as soon as we met him, he was such an interesting yeah. character and Stilo, of course, as well. And, you know, even rewatching it this time around. Yeah. Um, the impact of her death uh, and just like the. Yeah. You know, it was rough. It was tough. And I mean, he was a questionable fella to begin with in terms of what he was willing to do. 
and what was too far or what, more importantly, what was not far enough. So with her there to kind of rein him in, you know, it was one thing, but the loss of her coupled with that regulator mm-hmm. that's now gone, um, you know, you can see how, how he spiraled so oh, yeah. Yeah. quickly and so far. Yeah. The, the balance between of what Steela could see, the benefits of having Lux at her side as a sort of pure politician and saw as the military side, and she would be able mm-hmm. to balance between those two and keep them both on track, yet still right. use their skills ultimately to lead uh, the rebellion. Yeah. Right. right. And she was that smart. Yeah. And that effective, that really garnishing support. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's good. I like yeah. that. Cool. Okay. All right. Well, we started and ended on positive notes. That's a good thing. <laughs> Very good thing. Well, I hope we haven't set ourselves up for a uh, a precedence for, for all the rest of them we have written down. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think we will. Um, there's some. There's some not. There's good some things. doozies in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, ooh. Mm. So that's um. That's kind of how that goes, I guess. Yes. I like it. Very much so. It was very cool. Yeah, it's a cool exploration into, you know, not not so much a deep dive into what did happen, but like the domino effect of what would happen. Yeah. And then, it, like you said before, how it spirals from one decision to another and then jumps from one movie to another. And, you know, there's a certain aspect of Stila and Saw that could touch upon Solo to a certain degree and, and the underworld, you know, so there's you could just keep going with that. That's what's that's what's so cool yeah. about it. Yeah, you could. And and, you know, with some of these questions being in or around the same timelines, there could be some intersections. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh, well, that's fun. So before we go, we sent our OTQs, or original trilogy of questions, over to Leanne and Lauren of the Most Things Kenobi podcast to get a little sneak peek behind their Star Wars fandom. We're so happy they agreed to answer them. And here they are. What is your fandom origin story? Mine? In Star Wars? My fandom origin story for Star Wars is I remember watching... Just watching the shit out of the VHS original trilogy. And I was obsessed. I loved it. I was a kid. I loved the adventure and the the heroics. And I knew Princess Leia was my hero before I even knew what a hero was. You know what I mean? That's adorable. (laughs) Well, because Leia is one of a kind. She's like the most perfect fucking Disney princess you ever saw self-rescuing princess get out of here yeah love it how about you origin story just any general fandom um i think i was like obsessed with x files from a very young age like probably too young to be watching it maybe sixth grade but i have like very distinct memories of my dad taking me to see the original star wars trilogy when they re-released it in the 90s and they had the like Love edits it. that they added. So yeah, my dad has always been even now he's the person I go see Star Wars movies with when they come out. So yeah. My dad is my origin, my fandom origin story. Aww, I love that. <laughs> How does Star Wars impact your everyday life? Well, it's this podcast now. The it impacts us all the time with our podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I was going to say, but, I pretty much never stop thinking about Star Wars. It, it's true. It's true. It, it's woven into the daily life, at least the daily life that I live. Yeah. For, for me, it's I'm on my Instagram pretty often. I'm very active on there now, and I didn't used to be, and I am now. We have quite a following over there. And uh, so, yeah, I'm like constantly answering mes- messages and thinking about it and thinking about our next episode and doing research for our episodes. And yeah, it's it's kind of nonstop. In a larger sense, it's important for me to remember hope. And Star Wars is big on hope. Mm-hmm. And I have to remind myself of that quite often. It's always a good thing to put on in the background when you're working on something else. If you could have lunch with anyone from Star Wars, who would it be? What would you talk about? Oh, Luke. Absolutely. <laughs> no question. I would have lunch with Leia and or Carrie Fisher because both would be a shit show and I would be, I am here for it. <laughs> the side of Prozac. <laughs> yes. <laughs> God, love her. I love her. Yeah, I mean, if I had Luke, I would talk about basically what training was like especially with yoda what was that really like (laughs) true that's a good point i mean i would just like to shoot the shit with leia she has the insight on everything yeah she's a powerful woman yeah it would be enlightening but with carrie fisher like i said a shit show pure shit show but you know i would have lunch with anakin just to like try and schmooze him <laughs> I he had to sh- say it. He would schmooze you right back, girl. He would be stealing pears off your plate and cutting them yes, in half. Yes, I want the pear. The pear <laughs> better come floating towards me, if you know what I mean. That's not code for anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All God. right, bonus. You started a Tumblr blog in 2017 called Most Things Kenobi. How has that platform helped your podcast? Lauren, this one's all you. I would say, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I thought we would get more traction out of Tumblr. Um, We don't get any traction from Tumblr. It is our not for the podcast. People on each of our social medias interact with us in a different way and are a different kind of audience. So Twitter is a little more fast-paced, like quick thought and Instagram is much more like interactive. I have a lot of personal conversations with people on Instagram and I get to actually like interact with artists there. Tumblr is more like (laughs) I put it there because it makes sense for us to put our, our podcast there. I put every episode on there, but it doesn't get that much traction. And I think it's because people don't want to be sold stuff on Tumblr They're there to explore lore and dig deep into meta. And even though that's what our podcast is, I think that people kind of prefer like long posts where you deep dive and like basically write an essay. So whenever I write that kind of post, it gets a ton of interaction and traction. And the stuff where I share our podcast doesn't get anything. So yeah, I mean... Tumblr's where it started, and it's just kind of grown from there, and it's fun to have different audiences in different places. So, And like we've said before, we don't do it for, we don't do it for anything other than our pure joy. So it's yeah. fine. To me, it's fine if nobody ever listens. It'd be great if people listen and share our stuff, but nobody has to. We do it because we love it. And not only that, but Twitter is where we met the amazing 
hosts of the very podcast that we're speaking on right now. So uh, that's true. Thank you, guys. It's been so nice you. to like <laughs> meet new people and other podcasters, especially Star Wars podcasters. It's pretty amazing. Kind, geeky people. We are here for. So yes, we should start a club. <laughs> Oh, man, that's great. Uh, I remember that I wore out a copy of the original VHS trilogy, but <laughs> I still have my widescreen pre-George set intact. Uh-huh. And um, that's the one that we used for the... Uh, Digital well, copy. We call it the Holy Grail. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, podcasts are a great excuse to constantly talk about Star Wars, but who are we kidding? We were thinking of Star Wars 100% of the time way before our podcast. <laughs> so we are very grateful to have met them, uh, Most Things Kenobi, and, and all of our uh-huh. wonderful podcast friends um, through doing this. And uh, it's a great answer. We absolutely look forward to a conversation with those ladies. And I'll bring the pairs. <laughs> Bears. Yes, thank you so much to Lauren and Leanne for answering our OTQs, and we really look forward to maybe having you guys on our show soon, and to talk to you guys more about your fandom, but also some deep dives on some cool Star Wars subjects. Alright. We're online, and we're trying to have shirts. <laughs> Working very hard <laughs> to change our name. <laughs> Hide the designs. <laughs> we're in witness protection. <laughs> Thread protection. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're part of the Red Five Network. Still, still, yeah. <laughs> Even despite the lost episode, we're still in. We're still in. Although I'd I thought back. we lost that episode. No, no. Uh, <laughs> no, that was all about the editing. Believe me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we got it from two hours down to eighteen minutes. No. Um. Yep. <laughs> we are on all the podcatchers that you familiar with and. It would be fantastic if you could leave a review. If you like the show and you want to follow us, you can subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps other people find us. And Oh, we're also on our friend Bobby's virtual race car. Yes, that is fantastic. <laughs> and his cool shirts, too. We have to put, we're yeah. going to put links in the show. You got to take a look at this. This is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And, like, he does, like, he's legit. Like, he straight up has a racing rig in his garage and he races online with all these people and he's a fan of our show and we know him personally and he uh has has putting on his car <laughs> and, it's that. Not, and it's not small at all <laughs> our logo no, it's very no. big <laughs> yeah bobby he's an awesome guy so um and he's so, been a supporter of ours for like a long time too which is absolutely yeah. fantastic so thank you and very he much was one, wasn't he one of the winners of our one of our giveaways yes that's right early on that's right and in fact he came up to me he's like he's like did you do that on purpose I'm like, no it was no random. completely so random completely random <laughs> did you do that on purpose <laughs> I know. Yeah. Charles didn't want to drive very far, so uh, <laughs> he figured he'd keep it local. <laughs> figured five miles max. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's cool. We've got some other um, very talented people kind of uh, in our corner as well. Yeah, so and having a great time as well. And again, doing what we do, just enjoying the passions and having fun with it. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess on that note, the chosen one you were. You would destroy the Sith, it was said. Not join them. Balance to the Force would you bring. 
Leave it in darkness, would you not? Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. Red 5 Network.